This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, May 3rd, 2016. I'm Caleb Brown. Countries receiving refugees from Syria have taken varied tactics at quickly assimilating those refugees into labor markets, but there are better and worse ways of doing it. Cato Institute policy analyst Alex Narasta explains. I decided to take a look at the Syrian refugees and where they've gone since the beginning of the civil war there in 2011, and then the effects that these refugees have had on the economies and the places where they go. So to give you some background, the Syrian civil war has produced about 5.8 million Syrians, uh, refugees, who have left the country. Uh, About 1.1 million are in Lebanon, 2.7 million in Turkey, and 640,000 in Jordan. That doesn't include about 1.2 million Syrians who are also in the Gulf states on work permits. In addition to this, a little uh, less than a million are now in Europe as asylum seekers. So they've gone to a lot of different countries with different policies and institutions. So we can see broadly what happens as these countries react to these large number of Syrians. Now, the countries that you looked at don't include the countries of Europe. So I took a look broadly at like the EU. but very briefly at countries like the UK and uh, Germany and Sweden, just trying to anticipate how these refugees will integrate into those countries based on past performances. What has Lebanon done to accommodate refugees? So Lebanon has created a new visa, basically allowing Syrians in as students or businessmen or as family members, not as humanitarian refugees, though, not as people who are able to get help. So as a result, they're really not eligible for any social services or anything like that in Lebanon, which is probably a positive uh, aspect. However, in places where the refugees have settled, local governments in Lebanon have begun to shut down businesses set up by Syrians. They have been begun to kick them out of the labor market because of economic competition. So they've been moving down into parts of the country where that's not the case. And uh, as a result of that and all these different regulations, the result has been pretty poor in Lebanon. The effect on uh, wages due to Syrians, uh, wages have dropped in Lebanon as a result, and the rents in the labor market, of, uh, sorry, rents for property have also increased as a result. Uh, and I think there's two things they can do to uh, make this a lot better. One is just to grant legal work permits to all the Syrians no matter what. Just clear that off the board. Let them work legally. You can remove a lot of the abuses. Their wages will go up, etc. Another one is just to allow Syrians to start businesses rather than shutting them down. That will, for obvious reasons, help the labor market in Lebanon. All right. So Jordan and Turkey were the two other countries that you looked at primarily. What have they done? So Jordan's interesting. They have a population that's uh, 8% of their country are now Syrian refugees. So we're talking about a huge flow there as a percentage of the country. And we've seen uh, wages there uh, go up for a lot of Jordanians because of the surge in Syrians. And that's because the Jordanians have recently allowed them to work. They've allowed them to get work permits. Um, It's a little too complicated. They have to get a sponsor in the country to employ them. Uh, And there are some minimum wage requirements. But the fact that a lot of them are allowed to work is a huge step in the right direction. So there's reforms and movements and ideas. Uh, People in Jordan saying we should go further with this. They should continue that. One of the things the United States can do to help is the U.S. has a free trade agreement with Jordan. What the U.S. can do is unilaterally remove any of the duties remaining 
on imported goods from Jordan to try to give a boost to their economy, to try to absorb more of these Syrians into the labor market. We could even do it as a deal. Say, you know, we grant uh, Jordan grant Syrians all of the labor permits or work permits that they need in exchange for this. It'll make Syrians more want to stay in Jordan rather than trying to go to Europe. All right, and Turkey? So Turkey is probably in the best situation of all these. They have the most developed country, uh, largest GDP per capita and income. Uh, They're also the largest country by population there entirely. And what they've done is they've allowed a lot of these folks to work uh, legally. Um, Sometimes in uh, firms, uh, no more than 10% of the workers can be Syrian refugees. So, but that's a start, it's better than nothing. And there are some minimum wage requirements. There are some uh, movements to decrease those requirements, make it so that Syrians can make up 20 to 30% of the country. That's the direction that they should go in. Uh, what we've seen though is a lot of Turks in response to these lower wage Syrians or lower skilled Syrians have begun to go back to school and get more education and as a result compete in different portions of the labor market. Which is interestingly what we see in places like Denmark when more refugees come in is that refugees fill jobs at the bottom, pushing up the locals who are also low-skilled into more high, highly paid jobs. All right. So it, it, that, that point is worth uh, unpacking as many times as we possibly can, which is low-skilled immigration, even large, uh, unexpected flows of it pay dividends to people who otherwise would be earning more money. That's right. A lot of these lower-skilled natives basically get bumped up the wage market ladder when there are more low-skilled people who come in and take their place because the locals have advantages. They know the local economy, they know the local language, they have the experience, they have the connections. And when there's more people at the bottom, they're spurred to take these actions in order to improve their situation. If Turkey has done the best, contrast what Turkey has done with some of the other countries uh, of Europe. So the countries in Europe have basically done nothing. Uh, to deal with these folks, to try to integrate them. They've given them a lot of welfare, and they let them hang around inside of Europe, but that's about it. Part of the big problem is there are actually laws in the books on European countries that prevent refugees or asylum seekers from even working. So, for instance, in the United Kingdom and the Czech Republic, in the best case scenario, these refugees have to wait for a year before being able to even legally work. In France, it's nine months. And the Netherlands, it's six months. Belgium, it's four months. And in Germany, Austria, it's three months. So that is a policy completely at odds with integrating these folks into the European economy. It's going to keep them poor. It's going to keep them dependent on social services. It's going to keep them not paying taxes. And I think what's most worrying is in the long run, it's going to slow down their assimilation into European societies. Get rid of the welfare and get rid of the restrictions on labor. You don't even need to go like that far. You don't even need to do what you and I want to do, which is a total liberalization. You just need to pass, basically copy U.S. laws when it comes to refugees and asylum seekers, where the most important thing is to get them a job before anything else. And you can loosen rules maybe for hiring refugees or asylum seekers, maybe remove minimum wages, maybe make it so that uh, shortage occupation requirements and regulations don't apply to them. Uh, there's no work bans. Uh, just remove the ban on them starting a business. I mean, they're, they're prevented from starting a business in most EU countries right now. So if you do those things, you can get a lot more of them into the labor market. I can imagine that the resentment associated with having 
people, refugees even, come in and uh, displace some workers could be considerable. But I would imagine that the resentment might even be higher for the, uh, a three months, six months, a year of welfare benefits. You got to pick your poison. Are you going to be more upset at refugees languishing on welfare forever or more upset at them uh, playing a more prominent role in your economy? Now, I would much rather, and I think in the long run, Europe will do much better if it has these folks integrated into their countries and economies rather than uh, them sort of forming a separate uh, subclass of people permanently on welfare. Alex Narasta is a policy analyst at the Cato Institute. This month, the Cato Institute's daily podcast marks its 10th anniversary. Subscribe and share at cato.org slash podcast.